Thanks for joining us on the Future Food Show. On this episode, we chat with Chris Landowski of Onego Bio. Chris will be speaking at the upcoming Future Food Tech Alternative Protein event in New York City this June. You can register for the event at futurefoodtechprotein.com. Get a 10% discount on tickets using the coupon code CM10. Early bird ends on May 11th, 2023. Thanks for joining us on the Future Food Show. On this episode, we chat with Chris Landowski of Onego Bio. Chris Landowski is the co-founder and chief technical officer of Onego Bio, a company producing animal-free egg white protein with precision fermentation. Chris is a cellular agriculture trailblazer and the scientific mastermind behind the technology. The chosen method for producing egg white protein is based on harnessing the microflora Trichoderma ricei for the protein production. Chris believes this technology is superior because of its efficiency and productivity. Prior to co-founding Onego Bio, Chris spent 15 years developing breakthrough precision fermentation platforms at VTT Technical Research Center of Finland. He has extensive experience in recombinant protein production and translating this knowledge to enable commercial scale production of animal-free proteins. One thing I greatly appreciate about this episode with Chris is that he breaks down fairly technical concepts concepts into very digestible bites. Chris, I would like to welcome you to the Future Food Show. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to, to join today. First, tell us where you're dialing in from. Mm, yes, I'm actually calling now from Helsinki, Finland. That's a, a long ways away in, in Europe, so Eastern Europe side. But um, yeah, I'm actually not from Finland. I mean, I've been living here a while, so I've been living here for about 15 years. Uh, but I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's super exciting. And so tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, I, I studied uh, molecular molecular biology and biochemistry in uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison. I have um, then done a PhD in pharmaceutical science at uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan and University of Michigan. I have done a, a postdoctoral fellowship in Harvard Medical School for a few years. And I also did a, a continued project uh, in uh, Bern, Switzerland. So I was actually progressively moving further east. And uh, eventually I, I finished my postdoctor work in Switzerland and um, I moved to Finland where I started working in uh, industrial biotechnology and VTT Technical Research Center of Finland. So that is what I had started doing in Finland um, a lot say about 15 years ago, that's how I came here and started uh, kind of developing this expertise that I'll be discussing with you. That's cool. And actually, we hear a lot about VTT when it comes to kind of novel food technologies. Can you tell us a little bit about VTT and maybe some of the programs that they have or maybe the program that you know you are working with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a very interesting, um, actually, VTT is probably the biggest uh, kind of governmental research agency in, in, in Europe or one of the biggest ones. Uh, so there's a large government research uh, center that is doing lots of diverse things. I mean, they're working on, let's say, forestry, they're working on electronics, they work on uh, shipbuilding, <laughs> they work on, uh, importantly, industrial biotechnology. So that's where I have been working. And industrial biotech is um, 
kind of a variety of different, uh, basically using cell factories to produce different interesting, um, useful proteins or molecules for cosmetics, for food, for um, different applications. So that was kind of the tie that binds everything was around different cells making different products and trying to process them in a bioreactor to try to make it commercially viable because uh, industrial biotechnology, especially in, in uh, VTT, is definitely aiming more towards the commercial side. So it's not a basic research place. It's not a university. It was a applied research organization. So that was always our, our advantage there and our kind of where we, why we were leaning so, so much towards industry, which I always found interesting because that was kind of, for me, something, because I did come from academic uh, sides, as I just described, from different academic labs doing basic research. But when I started working at VTT, I really enjoyed it because there was actually uh, something applied to it. And I could see how those things that we worked, we worked with a lot of companies uh, to develop technology for different applications to make uh, different products for them with microbes. So for me, that was always very interesting because it was close to the market, you know, actually seeing something you did actually go out to the world and have an impact. For me, that was very exciting and why I stayed working there for so long. Do you have any examples of maybe common products that kind of went through VTT that we might have heard of? Well, I think that, um, yeah, it's always a little bit back end that we never actually made any products ourselves. We're always uh, developing the technology for other people. So for instance, uh, I can just give an example very generally. Um, we had once uh, worked on uh, making yeast strains for uh, producing biofuels. And at that time, I think they were using the corn-based uh, sugars to uh, make biofuels from that. So we were involved in that kind of project. Just recently, actually, really cool thing we have done at BTT is that we worked with one uh, American uh, company where we produced um, a COVID-19 vaccine. So we were developing a production system for the vaccine. And uh, that actually now went into uh, clinical trials actually with that company involved. Uh, so for me, that was really exciting because that's just something that just happened. And it was very, of course, uh, impactful, will be impactful if it does uh, manage to get approved. Something that we started working on in our lab uh, to develop the vaccine production system. So I thought that was very, you know, exciting topic. Yeah, well, that, absolutely. Yeah, that is cool. Okay, so that's VTT. Um, tell us about Onego Bio and how the company came to be. And and I will say, usually I ask about pronunciations beforehand, but I was actually so so confident about the pronunciation of Onego Bio that I didn't. Am I am I pronouncing it right? You nailed it. You nailed it. You're oh, uh, okay. Excellent. It's okay. Very good. <laughs> it's very good. I was a little bit worried for a minute, but now you nailed it. I didn't even think about it. So, yeah, because <laughs> that's perfect. Actually, it's pronounced in Finnish. They pronounce every letter. So uh, yes, of course, sometimes people do say one go bio, but you know uh, that's fine <laughs> to me too. But uh, Onego Bio is the correct pronunciation. And it doesn't, and it doesn't actually mean anything. Um, it was just a, a nice word that was created because uh, it sounds nice and it has a, a nice uh, designer uh, feature to it. It looks nice and it has these O's on the end. So you could maybe think that might have something to do with eggs. 
I, I totally think eggs when I when I see it. I, it's you know sometimes you know the, the letters are just enough to to make you think something. So yeah. So about Onego, um, that this. Well, I'll tell you sort of about Onego. Um, a lot of this has to do with um, why it has become. Well, when I was working in VTT, as I said, for industrial biotechnology, I have been doing that uh, for a long time at VTT for 15 years. And what I was doing here is uh, at VTT, I, I focused a lot on this um, industrial enzyme industry. And then that has been going on for decades, uh, for instance, to produce enzymes for food processing, enzymes for washing powder, enzymes for all lots of industrial applications. And after I've been in that really long time, um, I started thinking that where else could this be used? Because this is such a great technology that we had. And I described the technology in a bit later, but the technology we had, um, microbial technology, was being used for these things already for industrial enzymes. I started thinking, kind of being inspired, but why don't we do this for food and for pharmaceuticals? Because, you know, the, the features of the technology we have make kind of large amounts of it, uh, large amounts of product at a really low price. And I thought, well, if you want to have impact in these other fields, why, why couldn't we also apply this technology to doing pharmaceuticals, for instance? And I had thought about that, being, for instance, uh, being that pharma pharmaceutical products would be a very high cost item. Uh, why not also apply uh, this technology to that? So, well, though we didn't do that in the end, uh, we, we, no, we didn't start working on pharma. But instead, we focused our attention on food because there, at that point in time, there was a lot of more interest into, um, let's say, producing um, animal-free ingredients. And if you start, there was a bit more attention on sustainability. Uh, so we wanted to um, be able to produce an animal-free product that was kind of independent from from animal agriculture. So uh, Onegobio is a spin-off from VTT that we started already only in 2022 and that we created this to be a food biotech company focused on producing animal free ingredients with precision fermentation and that's one of the main things that uh, we are now focused on so that is sort of the root of that it has all begun from VTT but we just now basically applied all that to food industry Excellent. Okay. And so what are maybe some of the first products that your team will be working on? Yeah. So um, what we have been now developing is a animal-free bioalbumin, which is a chicken egg white protein. And this product is bioidentical or the same as the chicken ovalbumin protein. So in egg white, uh, there are lots of different proteins. There's maybe a 100 of them actually and uh, whoever some of the, the main ones uh, one of them is ovalbumin so it's a specific protein there but the important part about this bioalbumin product that we make it has the, also the same taste the same texture the same functionality as the natural product from from a chicken uh, so the nutrition is um, you know the same so we have the same high quality, uh, complete protein profile. It has all the essential amino acids. And um, we can also then, the important thing here is that we're able to make this product at a fraction of the uh, environmental footprint of conventional egg white. So that just means that the, the way you produce egg, 
protein in, of course, in a natural way from producing it in nature with uh, chickens, so like in a farm scenario, um, that is actually generating quite a lot of uh, CO2 emissions. So we've been calculating the difference. And so our product has uh, lower emissions of CO2 and less land use and some other benefits. And then your bioalbumin process is basically like when we make bioalbumin, we're using a precision fermentation process. And that actually is basically similar to uh, brewing in a way. So we have a, uh, a industrial microbe that we put in the bioreactor, a big tank, and it's able to uh, secrete and produce our product into the liquid. Uh, that it's growing in. So there's a liquid media that it's growing in. It's basically sugar and it's living off of sugar and growing and, and uh, producing this bioalbumin product. So we basically just separate the, the living part, uh, filter away this, this uh, microbial cells, and then we have a liquid fraction that we wash and concentrate and dry it and make powder out of it. So that's sort of the whole process in a nutshell. Very cool. And you, you did speak to some of the benefits of, of using this technology. And I'll ask a little bit more about that in, in a second. You know, looking at the cellular agriculture, or in this case, a cellular agriculture industry, there are some companies that are kind of like big pillars in the space, you know, Perfect Day or, or Clara Foods, now every company. We often hear about the every company working on egg white proteins. Do you know if that's a similar type of protein or is, or is that a different protein they're focused on? Uh, yeah. Any, any kind of thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, we're basically making the same types of proteins. So we're all making egg white proteins from uh, chicken and they have uh, focused on something called ovomucoid, for instance, it's one specific egg protein. And they think they're also making uh, ovalbumin. So the same same molecule that we are also making and that's as far as i know i'm sure that they might have other things brewing as many of us do but uh, those are the two uh, products that i'm aware of i see okay okay cool and so you know earlier we were talking about you know the, the benefits in terms of land use and environmental impact but i wanted to ask you when it comes to kind of consumers purchasing products that maybe have this type of protein in it how do we actually convince them, maybe not that this is a better way to make protein, but that this is a good way to kind of replace existing types of products, like, for example, you know, egg white? One of the things um, a lot of people will see or are, are paying more attention to is the need for making sustainable animal-free ingredients. If the population is increasing and increasing, you can't... Uh, it isn't very sustainable to keep adding animals to that equation, right? So it's not something you say, well, let's just make uh, more chickens. Well, that also has a consequence for doing that. So I think the, the new knowledge and new wisdom is that you should try to, we should try to do this in a more sustainable way. So producing them in an animal-free way. But also the product also solves other issues. So uh, around egg whites, there has been a shortage of egg white um, due to, let's say, there has been bird flu in many countries. So a lot of these birds are, are chickens are dying, or actually hundreds of millions of birds, un, unfortunately, have been sick and been dying from this uh, bird flu. So there's been a big then shortage of that protein that's very important for people's diets and for health and for, for nutrition. So there needs to be another way uh, to produce it. So I think it's a, it is a better way and that uh, we don't 
our the way we do it doesn't doesn't is independent from animals that might get sick. Uh, so that's one one way to uh, people would understand that this is uh, maybe a more suitable method for the future. Also, the important thing that we're doing is that you can't really replace egg white that comes from the chicken with other things because it has a very unique functional property. So the egg white is difficult to replace with, let's say, plant-based ingredients or something like that. So we have um, been able to make bioalbum. We can make it possible to manufacture the same great delicious food ingredients entirely animal free and bioalbum and provides uh, the nutrition and the functional properties of the egg white without the environmental or ethical safety concerns. So I think these sort of things will resonate with the uh, consumer. Although just pointing out that we're doing this through precision fermentation. So consumers shouldn't be, they shouldn't be actually, it's not anything new. Um, this technology is very similar, as I said, to, to brewing and for many years has been already been used for, let's say, making enzymes for cheese processing. Um, it was one case where uh, they used to take the uh, linings of the cow intestine uh, and using that for the to make to extract an enzyme that would be used for cheese making. So this is uh, the precision fermentation, though, from the side of industrial enzymes and production has already been used for a half a century uh, to make different ingredients that's already being used in the food manufacturing. So, you know, people just don't think about it, but we've been doing that for 50 years already. So I wouldn't say that this is anything new. We're just uh, trying to do uh, to try to do it more so that from that point of view, um, it's important that the consumers are aware of the health and environmental benefits of this approach and uh, also to understand that the performance of the product isn't any isn't different. It's the same exact thing. We're just trying to do it in a, in a better way. And I think we just need to make sure that we have transparent communication so that we will bring out the key benefits to consumers to feel comfortable with these new food technologies and to build trust. So I think Part of our job as the uh, startup companies around this area is to try to communicate the benefits to the consumer. That's great. And I, I recently heard, in addition to you know the cheese making example, I recently heard that uh, vanilla or vanilla extracts are also have been made through this uh, process for for quite some time as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's um, I mean all kinds of, especially flavors and colors, uh, dyes. Uh, you know, there are so many things that you just don't realize there is probably or juice clarification, uh, all kinds of things that uh, you just don't think about. But they're using enzymes in those processes to, you know, make it uh, a quality product. So this has been going on and all, all of these products, of course, are um, approved by the FDA or the EFSA or in Europe. So very there is a very high quality standard and standard on it. So this is. What we're doing is in the same line. It's as I said, we are following just industrial enzyme technology and processes to to make food manufacture to manufacture food products. So everything is uh, basically the same. Which I often said in the past, it's really kind of uh, well, from one point of view, very good that we use something very established. But it, it's a little bit um, like as a scientist or a science person, there isn't so many new things that we're doing and and. I think that's good from some point of view because we are just now just trying to make the product for people in, in the marketplace. 
So we're just focusing on doing the commercialization part, uh, which is hard enough, but we don't have to invent anything new here, actually. Our team is gearing up for the upcoming future food tech event in New York City, uh, focused on alternative proteins. Uh, I know that you will be, I believe, on a panel there, but I, I first want to mention that you know, last year at the New Harvest Conference, I met some of your team members. Were you there in yeah. New York City? You were. Yeah, I was oh, okay. also there, so we probably have met each other. We, we probably have met, yeah. And I, <laughs> I remember you guys had a pretty cool like uh, setup with some sort yeah. of cards and and something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we had a we had a booth right next to the door that, <laughs> so we had a lot of uh, right to the doorway to the uh, seminar room. And I think just about everybody who's at that, because it was a bit smaller, maybe a few hundred people in the in the meeting. So I think everybody has probably come by our booth. Of course, we were demonstrating the egg white protein that we have, you know, making foam. And uh, we had some small like uh, confectionery uh, treats there, some um, yeah meringues and other small things that we could make from our product, for instance. Well noted in people's minds that what we have made in the past. Yep, yep. And, and um, yeah, I, I remember it was a booth that you, you do remember because, you know, you see the foam and, and, and that was cool. And so mm -hmm. you'll be back in New York City. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the panel that you'll be on at Future Food Tech? Yeah, I think that it's, of course, around uh, precision fermentation. And um, it's sort of um, an interesting topic, of course. And there's a lot of discussion, especially now around scaling and capacity. Um, it's one thing that really hasn't been fully covered in public conversation. And uh, one of the things that I'm really interested to, to discuss there in the conference is more about is the equation of when you need to get to scale. So, of course, all this technology we talk about, it's great to do small things in the lab or whatever, but that's not in the end. We have to uh, manufacture this, so we have to scale up. And um, considering the huge need for the products, uh, made by precision fermentations, you know, companies should make sure that they have the right technology and manufacturing approach for, for their products to meet the demands of the market and consumer. Because it starts to be, you know, in the end, um, one needs to make, you know, thousands and thousands of tons of, of product. And that's actually, uh, it's, it's a very important uh, task that we will take on. And it's a kind of an uphill battle in order to get everything in place. But we can do it, of course. Um, but again, one should think that also the product that we make should also um, be made in a way that can be cost effective, right? So, I mean, if, if you can't afford to buy the, the product and it won't have any impact. So one of the things that we want to make a, uh, try to focus on is to try to meet price parity with the animal-based products that they're replacing. So I think that actually takes a little bit of um, thought and in, in developing your uh, technology and manufacturing approach. So looking in the future, uh, we should also think about, let's say, what is the most efficient way to employ the capital that we raise uh, to bring the products to the market in a way that will have impact. I mean, there's no, uh, it needs to be able to, you have to, as a company, we have to be able to uh, produce enough of the products so that they can be used and that big, say, food manufacturing uh, company. So, Onego is planning to first sell our product uh, B2B. So we're planning to sell this to large food manufacturing um, companies. So for us, yes, it's very important to be able to provide enough product for, for that manufacturer, for instance. Um, and then in order to do this, um, 
many companies, especially even Onega, we're planning to build large manufacturing plants to make sure that we are able to produce the amount of product because there really isn't existing capacity that is needed. Um, there's not existing capacity that is sufficient for all the required amounts of product that we need. So we have to kind of put in also the hard work to um, start designing and, and building a factory. And it does make a huge difference on where you start in this process. As I said, um, we have already a technology that is proven and that has been already used in the enzyme industry to make products. So for us, uh, it's sort of a little bit easier, but it's still like a big task to start building factories. So these are some kind of topics that we hope to discuss inside of the uh, future food tech meeting. Um, it's very um, kind of important because in the end, where everybody's going to be putting a lot of uh, money into this field and we have to be able to, let's say, um, do this in a way that will have impact and that the consumers were also uh, kind of accepted and uh, to, to see the, the need and the enjoyment for buying these products that we plan to make. We often hear about um, not having enough, you know, I guess, you know, fermenter or bioreactor capacity. Mm -hmm. um, is, is the solution to that just to invest more dollars and, and build out these facilities? Like, is, is that, I guess, for yeah. lack of a better phrase, going to be enough? Well, no, you're, I'm glad you asked this question. I sort of, I'm sort of getting passionate about this topic because, yeah, there definitely is, a, as I said, an uphill uh, let's, I think that statistic was like uh, that one article I read was that we would need a, a thousand times more capacity in the future to meet the needs of the cellular agriculture products. So that goes, of course, a very large, a large swath of different products from that uh, definition. But what I would, of course, I'm mostly focused on the uh, in, uh, precision fermentation ingredient side. But it isn't well of course we need definitely do need more uh, factories for for these products it is definitely obvious that um, that it needs to happen but again there are lots of technical things that can be done in order to uh, make it more efficient right so i i also say that we shouldn't just build a lot of factories <laughs> you should also work on making the technology we have and the factories that we will build more effective. And a lot of that um, now, since I'm actually, I have to say, I'm the chief technology officer for, for Onego Bio. So I will answer this also in a, from a tech side that we want to make sure that our technology, the microbial technology that we use is the most efficient as possible. So that when we, we feed, as I said, we feed them sugar. And so we want to make sure that sugar that we give them is converted into the protein product. Okay. So that is a kind of efficiency issue that we want to make sure that uh, all the carbon feed that we add to them gets converted to the product. So that's one of the things that we focus on. How can that be as efficient as possible? And of course, we want to have, let's say, high production levels, of course. But also, it's very important to think about how many tons of material can you harvest from your tank, right? I think there should be a bit more focus on that is uh, how do you get uh, the biggest yield of product from your cultivation? Because if you're going to build a factory, every tank that you run, uh, whether or not you make uh, one ton, two tons, three tons, you know, still need to have the same equipment. So you might as well uh, make sure your technology that you have inside will yield the highest amount of, 
a product. So, of course, uh, you know, we're aiming to, you know, make uh, 10 to 15 tons every uh, cultivation round, for instance, in the tank. So that is sort of our, our uh, perspective on that situation. So looking overall, though, I'm just saying if you want to take this a thousand fold capacity need down, you would say, well, let's just use the most efficient technology. And if we do that, maybe only need 100 times more capacity. So that sounds to sound um you know, more reasonable to only build 100 times more capacity. <laughs> so I think that is sort of uh, something that needs to be discussed in these uh, uh, meetings, let's say future food tech and, and, and other forums, like how, how should this be thought about? Uh, it shouldn't just be that we need to build more factories. Uh, we have to just build them maybe in other ways too. Maybe there's new uh, product uh, manufacturing technologies that can be developed, of course. And I'm willing, I'm um, interested to hear about these topics in the, in the conferences and the future. So I think um, there's no absolute one answer for all this, but uh, yeah, it's definitely something we all need to think about how to best um, like employ the capital that we have to uh, make these uh, products successful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes to say, you know, bigger is not necessarily better, right? You it's it's yeah. not just having a, a bigger, for example, tank. It's it's about making and having the most efficient process. Yeah, um, and I think that I I just say that what I always think about in terms of tanks, you know, we're producing these in really large tanks like I'd say 150,000 liters. So it's a massive massive tank. And, you know, if you're running that tank, um, cultivating something inside of it, you want to make sure that when you do that, you get the maximum um, kind of output. Otherwise, you know, you're sort of not taking the full potential of all of the manufacturing facility that you have. So I think there should be a bit of focus on on trying to maximize that and really spending the time uh, to developing the technology to utilize the capacity that already exists. So I think that is sort of the, to me, the first priority, just to make sure that we get the most out of what we already have. As we begin to wrap up, I wanted to ask you what advice you have for those interested in getting into cellular agriculture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I can probably then, I will just break this a little bit into different Persons, let's say, uh, for example, a future entrepreneur or somebody who wants to study start a company. Uh, I'll start from that aspect because that's sort of where I have um, where I have come from, as well. So I mean, really, I would focus on the food ingredients and precision fermentation for this answer because that's sort of what I know right now. But if you're planning to produce a new product. I'd be really advisable to um, look into several production platforms. So whether or not you're using a yeast or a fungus or a bacteria uh, or plant cell line, uh, try many different platforms. And these are kind of proof of concept studies to make sure that you pick the right technology. And so you have the best chance to succeed. I wouldn't just take the first thing you find or bump into just because uh, somebody's an expert on bacteria or E. coli shouldn't mean that you automatically just make a, a technology only focus on that technology for your company. I would obviously seems seems obvious, but I think one should actually go out and do uh, multiple platforms just to make sure that you have the right thing because there is not one platform that is best for everything. So I think. 
it is very advisable just to check because this would save you a lot of time if you just eventually go, oh, wow, well, this other thing, I tried this uh, fungus and actually it works really well. Uh, so I think you should know that as soon as possible because there are pluses and minuses to each. And one of the other big advice is to, once you have established which technology you want to use, uh, you know, please do the technical economic analysis for the technology and for the process, because you do want to make sure that you will be able to be profitable someday. And it's just not, um, you know, you don't just um, hang everything on hope and say, well, maybe someday we'll be able to figure it out. But you should actually do the calculations and say, well, you know, we're we're close and maybe we can do it with technical improvements um, to make the cost uh, the cost um, yeah, target that one wants to get to. So I think these are sort of, from that point of view, uh, good advice. Um, and also just, of course, and I can't say, it's not maybe in everybody's case, but we are working with a well, uh, Onego works with a very well-established technology and production process. So with a proven track record, and this is coming from the industrial enzyme industry, where as like, for example, people are making, let's say cheese processing enzymes or, enzymes for washing powder. So this uh, is a well understood technology and process. And so that way the costs are already pretty well known. So from that point of view, I think it's something definitely you should think about as a starting a company, pay a lot of, obviously pay a lot of attention to the cost of what you're trying to make. And then I would just comment one thing, uh, advice for an investor, I think, uh, and now that there's so many companies in the in the area, I mean, if there's always, for instance, in milk area, there was maybe, you know, 10, 20, 30, maybe even companies in the world that are working around milk production for precision fermentation. So just to an investor, I mean, you definitely need to start the uh, important to do proper due diligence in this and seek out all the right experts. I mean, there's a lot of people out there, as I said, industrial enzyme industry, or in the food making industry, manufacturing industry, who are familiar with these things and just do the due diligence because I think there's always, I get the feeling there's a lot of, um, a lot of hype in the air, but a lot of, you know, of course, everybody's very enthusiastic about you know, doing this and getting started. But I think uh, the investors also, which I think they do, but uh, to make sure to do the due diligence for assessing the companies. Yeah, and I think as a future team member, if you're working in a, in cellular agriculture, always look for the best technology out there and really look around for all the right experts that you really need to cover a lot of different topics in this uh, food industry or biotech food industry. So it's uh, you have to reach far and wide to find all of the expertise you need. So this is one thing that I've noticed that we have done pretty well, I think, at uh, Onego Bio, but yeah, you definitely need a big network of, of people that you know in different industries. Chris, I love the way you broke that down. I think that, that might have been the, the best answer we've had on, on the podcast uh, with the different sections oh. you broke it down to. <laughs> yeah, well, that's my nature, right? I'm a yeah. technical person, so maybe that's my program, but yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, so that's uh, some advice, of course. And if anybody ever, of course, you feel free to contact me. I mean, I'm really, I'm very excited, especially in the future food tech that's coming up. Um, I'll be there and we can discuss more about how to do that. Um, this is sort of uh, 
the time to discuss all these things because it is a really new field and i think we have a, everybody has a lot to share and to learn from each other and since there are some now companies who are a little bit more established in this uh, field i think it's great if they're all able to share their wisdom and knowledge, hard-earned wisdom and knowledge over the years what we have learned along the way to make this uh, successful field because you know i do want everybody to succeed and i want the field to succeed and everybody has to do um, their best at um, helping each other to make sure that we all get forward with this because we the we need wins right you know wins and that um, the consumers see that this is uh, succeeding and that they can get the products that they like and that the investors are happy again and they will invest more money so it all kind of snowballs into success so i think we have to keep pushing that snowball down the hill you can learn more about Onego Bio at uh, onego.bio. That's O-N-E-G-O dot bio. And you can learn more about the future food tech alternative proteins event taking place in New York this June at futurefoodtechprotein.com. Uh, Chris, I'd like to thank you for being a guest on the show. Yeah, well, thank you. That was uh, very nice to, to be here and uh, to discuss our field and uh, what we're doing at Onego Bio. Yeah, please do check um, us in the conference or in the website. And um, I and also I've just show one more plug for Onego Bio. Um, we have been uh, now we had actually won this uh, award for the Fast Company 2023 World Changing Idea Awards in the food category. So just to show that um, and, and why I was very proud of this as well as that we're a small Finnish startup company and we were able to um, kind of compete into this um, jury of people selecting uh, Onego Bio is, a, is one of the leading companies in the area. And I was very uh, proud because if you look at some of the other companies on the list, I mean, these were like massive companies like Impossible Foods and uh, Beyond Meat, Microsoft. All kinds of you know people uh, companies with you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to invest and and onego bio has only had uh, 10 million uh, invested so i think that uh, we're very proud of that that we're able to compete globally uh, at least with our ideas and in soon with our technology so from that point of view yes i'm very happy with our team of course who's uh, made that all happen Awesome. That is super exciting. And we'll actually put a link to that uh, in the show notes. Uh, and so you can check that out as well. Yeah, we're very proud of that. So yeah, thank you for, for the interview today. Thank you so much. This is your host, Alex, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. 